Welcome to episode 155 of the Grip Strip Podcast. To put some respect on this edition of the Grip Strip Podcast, uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm here with the former iRacing Indy 500 champion, a gentleman and a scholar. His name is Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil, and yeah, put some respect on my name, put some respect on your name, put respect on this podcast name. No, uh, it's been good, and uh, yeah, put some respect on Martin Truex's name, because he's back after being winless, and now he goes out and wins the Clash, so maybe he's going to win the championship this year like uh, Joey Logano did last year, so we'll see, but racing's back, uh, we have football with the Super Bowl this week, but uh, other than that, it's all racing from here on out, you know, the rest of until September when football comes back, but there'll still be racing until November, of course. Absolutely. Uh, Bushlight clash at the Coliseum uh, took place yesterday. The main event seemed to take a long time, or at least the second half of the main event, uh, which saw that Truax kid from Mayetta, New Jersey, or whichever hometown he's from that particular day, win for the first time, win the clash for the first time in his career, and win for the first time since 2020, I think. Um, so that was a big deal for him, good momentum. Uh, there was a lot of drivers that were up front during the day or during the evening. Uh, Martin Truex, of course, was uh, the fastest, one of the fastest cars during the entire event. So probably was likely that he was going to end up pulling it off. And he did. Um, we'll get in all the ha happenings and action that took place. A lot of news that's come out today uh, for along different drivers and uh, passing of a, a, a matriarch of one of the, Great families in NASCAR. Well, uh, there was news from two of the best drivers currently, or have been two of the best drivers of this whatever generation of the last twenty years. Um, made some announcements, uh, so we'll get into all that NASCAR wise. We got two weeks before, or less than it was like probably a week away from. We take this week off next. What is it, Tuesday or Wednesday? They'll be back on the track for qualifying or Wednesday night to qualify for the Daytona 500. The duels will be on Thursday night. Uh, they do not have a practice, which is idiotic, but it's NASCAR for you. We'll also get, we'll talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, Pro Bowl games was interesting. Certain things were there, but um, nothing of great significance. Pro Bowl uh, probably needs another reevaluation after whatever they wanted to call that um, seemed like the guys enjoyed it. There's a lot of fun, a lot of for, but no major injuries. So that's a positive there. Nothing really in the coaching realm. I don't think off the top, but we'll check into that as well. Some uh, the free agent stuff and whatever probably will be coming the, in the next few weeks. Uh, we'll give our picks or thoughts for the Super Bowl which uh, involves Kermit the Frog and the Eagles. Then we'll get into the news. Of course, I mentioned with all the NASCAR news, there's stuff on IndyCar, IndyCar, Formula One, the launch of the Williams 
for this year. Uh, so with L Logan Sargent making his uh, Formula One debut this year, first American driver full-time since Scott Speed, first American driver to be on the grid since Alexander Rossi. And that was back in, what, 2014 or, yeah, 2015, something like that. Yeah, so it's been a while. Uh, there's um, different things going on in all these racing series. Time for all of them. Red Bull launched, and it might have been one of the most boring you know, car launches or awful car launches I've ever seen um, in the history of motorsports or history of sport. But uh, big news on that end for who their partner is going to be for their power unit starting in 2026. And we'll get in all that. And on top of it, we'll get into the GSP roundup. Uh, Formula E will be racing in Hyderabad in India. First race in India since uh, I think it was a World Superbike event there at the old Bud circuit, which um, I have this. I, I, I don't know if I'm I think it's either there or it was at Malaysia where Nicky Hayden uh, won his last race of his career uh, when he was he moved to um, moved to World Superbike and um, so I I'm, I'm might be mistaken but I'll I'll check that out and then we'll uh, get into what is it we have yeah Rally Sweden and that's that's about all there is this coming week for uh, the racing will definitely be more in the upcoming weeks and then uh josh will do a sim segment and we'll uh close the deal so yeah we had the bushlight clash at the coliseum Wiz khalifa was stoned and gave one of the weirdest interviews i've ever seen in my life i thought it was a marshawn lynch interview um shannon spake couldn't didn't really know what to do it was kind of funny that way um, Joel McHale was being Joel McHale, and uh, for better or worse, Cypress Hill went out there and brought it back to the 90s, and the I think Jeff Gluck was really enjoying Cypress Hill because somebody, uh, uh, what's his name uh, from, I'm forgetting his name on one of the websites, uh, Jerry Jordan was videotaping him dancing, so I'm like, where are you? And I texted him. I tweeted him. I'm like, so where is everybody else in the media center dancing? If you're taping Gluck, you might as well go and give equal time. But um, there was um, racing, too, that, it, that took place. And as I mentioned, Martin Truex Jr. was the winner. He started second after winning his heat. Uh, led one time, led last 25 laps of the race uh, ryan priest there was five leaders bubble all sled or brian priest led the most laps in his debut in the 41 car for stewart haas racing bubble all sled the second most laps with 40 or priest 43 bubble walls with 40 and denny hamlin at 26 eric almirola started on pole there was one of uh, after one of the cautions um he the communication broke down and he didn't know that uh, it was a choose somehow or another chose the outside. And basically that was the end of his night. Uh, the top 
will get into the top 10. Martin Truex Jr., Bald Spot Dylan, Kyle Busch, so the RCR guys finish second and third. Alex Bowman, fourth. Kyle Larson, fifth. Tyler Reddick, sixth. Priest, seventh. Ross Chastain, eighth after another incident with Dennis Hamlin, who finished ninth. And Will Byron finished tenth. So I think that's three or... Yeah, it's 48, the five. Yeah, there four three of the Hendrick cars finished in the top ten, both RCR cars, one car from you know track house. The only non Chevys were Truex, Reddick, Priest, Hamlin. So that's four. Yeah, that's four. You know, six Chevys and four outside. Only one Ford made it in the top 10. So that was, uh, and I mean, we'll get into some of the other people that were in there and in the race behind that and might have had a chance with, with some things falling their way. But 16 caution flags, none of the laps counted. So it made it even longer. And it seemed like every caution flag was like six laps. So you take it for what it is. I would have been, they would have run at least, I think they would have run two thirds of the race under yellow, the way that these guys ran over each other, Josh. Uh, Truex had a fast race car qualified well. And um, he had, he put himself in a position to win his heat. And he did, he had qualified. Um, he qualified well, and in turn utilized that advantage to go in advance. And that's just the starting lineup. I wanted to see the actual. There you go. Yeah, so practice, he was the fastest car in practice. Bubba Wallace had the fastest 10 lap average during practice on Saturday. And, um, you know, 10 lap average, Bubba Wallace, Chase Briscoe, Truex, Blaney, Todd Gillen. Uh, Hamlin, Almirola, Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell. So there's uh, Fords. There were a few Fords up there that could have had a chance, but a lot of them got wrecked. And Justin Haley had actually qualified on pole uh, for for the uh, for the race itself, and he was on pole for the race one. Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, Will Byron, Eric Almirola, Dylan, Austin Dylan, Denny Hamlin. A.J. Allmendinger, Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson. Martin Truex Jr. was actually uh, qualified 22nd, but he was able to move up and make something happen. Ended up finishing first in his in his second in the second heat and took advantage of that to win the race, Josh. So, I mean, MTJ, a lot of stuff going on personally for him, but he went out there yesterday and uh ended up dominating that last part of the race and has given himself a little, a, a nice bit of momentum heading into the Daytona 500, a race that has eluded him in the past, uh, getting a beaten at the line by Denny Hamlin. Uh, what is it? Seven years ago, I believe, or eight, yeah, something like that. Seven or eight years ago. I'm, I'm forgetting which one, but true X gets a, a win. James small, goes and uh, gets a positive start to the year after what was a rough ending of the regular season for them last year, being top five in points and then ending up finishing 17th. But Truex uh, had a piece yesterday 
and all weekend, and he brought it brought it home when it counted. Yeah, I mean, Truex was pretty fast throughout the entire uh, weekend of racing there. Um, he had a good qualifying uh, session, um, and then his heat race, obviously, like you said, he won, and he was up there the entire night you know, um, maintained himself in, inside the top five. And, you know, when it came, uh, to the time to, you know, get the lead, he was, he was able to go get the lead and, um, you know, it just seemed like whoever was going to be in the lead, um, you know, whether it was Truex, Bubba Wallace, uh, Eric Almarola, Ryan Priest, whether it was one of those four or anybody else, um, you could guarantee that they were probably going to be there at the end, um, as long as nothing happened to them. And I mean, to some of those guys, um, something did happen, but then, uh, you know, Truex was able to pull away at the end and just um, not have anything happen uh, to him there. Because um, for the other guys, like Bubba Wallace, like he got shuffled out of the lead, maintained in the top five, and then ended up getting spun out by Austin Dillon. But, you know, he had already lost the lead by that point. Uh, Priest, you know, he had this issue happen to him and, uh, electrical or something like that and just uh, dropped off the pace for a bit uh, still finished in seventh but you know he lost the lead and everything uh, Denny was up there too uh, Denny of course uh, you know he got booted out of the way by uh, Bo Wallace actually on one of the you know one of the restarts and he was able to um, still finish top 10 but you know again uh, once you lose the lead it's really hard to get it back especially at this track uh, and then you know Eric Amarola, like you said, just the miscommunication there. And, you know, he uh, ended up, you know, at one point was fighting to stay on the lead lap, but Wallace catching up to him there, uh, you know, in the middle of a green flag run. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of interesting racing uh, going on. I mean, I don't know if you want to call it racing, given the fact that I think average green flag run was about three laps. So uh, just a, a lot of uh, carnage going around and, um, you know, the 16 cautions, and like you said, and um, the fact that, you know, it's a quarter mile and everything, and this race uh, is only 37 and a half miles distance-wise, so there's really not a whole lot of um, distance, yet, you know, you have cars that ran out of gas because, I guess, as a penalty for being in the last chance qualifier, you can't refill your car before the race, so I guess it makes sense in a way, and you're basically gambling on the fact if you're in the last chance qualifier, you make it in, then you're gambling on the fact that it's not going to run, you know, too long. And well, it ended up doing because everybody was running into each other and being super aggressive. So that was why, of course, Todd Gilliland, Michael McDowell ran out of gas uh, in the middle of it. And one of those was a caution, I think, with uh, McDowell slowing down uh, and everything. So, yeah, just a lot of aggressive racing there. You know, it seemed like you really had to lay it into a guy to get him out of the way to pass him, you know, if you couldn't get around him cleanly. Um, and then, you know, I think they also mentioned on the broadcast, you know, with the Gen 6 car, the grip levels and everything, just um, with uh, the larger tires uh, and, er, you know, all, all that stuff, you know, just uh, you really had to bump a guy out of the way uh, and, and put a lot of force into it uh, to be able to um, move him out of the way and pass. And then some of those, some of those moves, you know, you saw guys getting bumped out of the way four cars back and the energy from that propelling uh, into the, whoever was up front and spinning that 
car out like we saw with you know Ryan Blaney getting spun out in the middle of it um you know from four cars back which which is you know crazy but yeah that's how that's how they're driving and everything so you know you saw that you saw veteran moves like you know with uh, Harvick and Elliot and uh Ricky Stenhouse the end of that uh their heat race um Stenhouse and Chase getting into it and then uh Harvick coming out on the other side qualifying for the main event so um you know you saw a little bit of everything there uh throughout that but um it also you know showed you know the level of aggressiveness that these drivers have right now um but then also you know it was a little bit of a test with you know the new changes that they made to the the car uh for you know 2023 you know with last year's issues with the bumper still came around though we've you know heard comments from you know Chris Bell talked about it uh, before the event and Bubba Wallace talked about it afterwards um, that, you know, still seems like uh, impacts to the rear uh, still seem pretty violent. Um, you know, according to Kyle Larson saying it was pretty violent inside the car and, you know, had headaches or whatever, backs, whatever injury or not injury, but, you know, back soreness, whatever. So that's um, something to look out for. Um, so not sure how you know nascar is going to have to adjust to that if they need to make any changes i mean it's pretty late in the game to be doing that but now we know uh that that stuff is out there and we'll see how how much of an impact uh that that will be on the larger tracks if that if, if that helps anything with reward impacts or anything like that so um just a you know i think microcosm of what you might be able to expect this year in the season um I think for Toyota, it seems like, you know, Truex might be back this year. We'll see. I think Bubba Wallace, you know, he had good speed throughout the event. Tyler Reddick, he was up there as well. Uh, you know, Denny, of course, always trying to be up there. I think Kyle Busch showed what he's going to be able to do in the uh, eight car uh, this year for RCR. Um, you know, regardless of his legal situation or whatever, he seems like he's going to be up front a, a, a lot. Um, I think the Fords, you know, especially with our, um, SHR, you know, they kind of had a little bit of a down year last year, and I think it's going to be um, better for them, you know, especially with Priest, uh, even you know Eric Almarola, uh to an extent. Yeah, I think um, I think they have a chance to be really good this year. So uh, you know, we'll see. You know what they're able to do. Um, you know, on the other end, Penske, you know, with Logano, um, uh, Blaney, and and Austin Cindric, they didn't really show much, but. Uh, we'll see what it looks like uh, for Ford this year with maybe changing of hands with SHR making some gains or whatnot. But um, yeah, I think uh, should should look like what you know the year uh, is going to be looking like this year, and I think there's going to be um, you know a lot of players throughout throughout the year, and um, you know, I think with the way things are with uh, the next gen car, I think we're going to see a lot of aggressive racing, and you know I think with uh, especially with teams figuring out this car from last year to this year, maybe getting even more aggressive to try to make things happen because it looks like, you know, these cars are going to be really um, planted to the ground this year. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but, um, you know, really, um, I mean, depending on how you want to look at it, entertaining or not entertaining way to start the season. Yeah. And as you mentioned with a lot of these drivers having complaints, uh, the lack of give um, in the bumpers, not really b having to pay the price for nailing somebody in the front or the rear, really. The grills, the front noses held up pretty well, too. Um, back, if you did that with a Gen 6 or Gen 5, 
you're doing you're doing in a radiator you're gonna knock something else off in this case you're just going and slam drafting which i think it speaks to the way everybody drove in that race and i i think it was kyle bush who said it you know prior to everybody finding out with his gun crap but that nobody had respect for each other and i think with some of the news that has come out or at least one particular news piece that has come out from yesterday uh it might explain why that is taking place uh you look at from yesteryear and the respect and kind of the code that existed amongst drivers and that if you didn't follow the code somebody was either going to teach you by wrecking you or they were going to take you aside and they were going to tell you how it's supposed to be uh now i don't think that exists anymore and you can tell it in the racing you can tell it in the way they drive into and over each other and that's part of what makes the super speedway races even worse it's not like super speedway racing is exactly the uh, you know the way to go and identify great racing or identify the best driver but when you're just sitting there and, and running into somebody and waiting for them to wreck i don't think that's racing well that wasn't a racing yesterday that was just an overrated bumper car demo derby um and you know fine good it's a it's an exhibition race. I don't think they, there was. I'm not. I'm not going to say. Oh, we need to take it back to Daytona. No, absolutely not. I don't care. That's fine. Don't need to be at Daytona. Perfectly fine. Give yourself that gap. Get yourself started early. Go out. Maybe look at other places, other stadiums or whatever to go and run. Run the race and then maybe make it some sort of uh traveling deal but uh i don't see the long-term viability of it even if auto club speedway which is a piece of news that came out doesn't sound like they're going to be able to reconfigure the track in a year and whatever essentially two years because after their race in a few weeks time essentially in a month's time they'll have a year and nine months and they can't get the track reconfigured but other places can be reconfigured in a matter of months. I find that questionable, but they want to make, if they make this a points race, it'll be an absolute disaster uh, because there's, there'd be no rhyme or reason to it. Um, you're putting 36 cars out there versus 27, which is still too many. Uh, they probably need to go further and limit more cars for making the main event. Now that, the reason they want don't want to do that is because there will be some big name that actually misses a show. Well, there was people that missed the show last year. There are guys that were in that race, in the race that, uh, this year that didn't make it last year, like Ross Chastain, like Alex Bowman, uh, just to name a couple. I mean, uh, the two Roush guys missed the race again because their cars are shit. Uh, I mean, it, it's it, and all the you know crap cars were went out. Uh, so in this case, I, I really don't know what to think about that race, uh, yesterday, other than it just is what it is an exhibition. Um, I will, uh, bring up the fact that Brian priest came from 16th was leading the race, led a good portion of the race right after Bubba. He took the lead from Bubba Wallace, basically from after uh, Bubba 
went and got Danny, got into Denny and moved him in turn one on lap 43. It was three guys led the race, but it was really Bubba and Ryan Priest dominated. Uh, but the amount of cautions, the inability to go and get a run going, a average speed of 21.8 miles an hour, which speaks to how many damn cautions they had. I wish they would have actually taken a rolling tally of how many laps they ran under yellow to tell us how many they might have ran near nearly two thirds of the race under yellow. But I, I the two things, two drivers that really stood out priest in his first run in the 41 car, Josh, uh, with Chad Johnston of all people coming back to SHR to be his crew chief, uh, that, that combination looked to have, uh, the, the right idea. I mean, of course, Ryan priest last year took a Rick Ware racing with Stuart Haas support, uh, Mustang and made the main event too. So, I mean, it wasn't that shock. He had a couple, two, three really good runs for Rick Ware last year. So it's not all that surprising. The guy's a modified champion. He's run TQs. He's run all kinds of stuff up here in the Northeast. It makes sense that he was able to do the work he did, but he hasn't shown it in a cup car. But there's now this is his opportunity. Tony was up in the booth. Didn't really say anything, but he, I know he felt really good about that choice. I made a, I posted a, a tweet and got some actual feedback uh, regarding Priest. And, um, I mean, Bubba also did a good job. He was up there. I've been saying for a while that married Daryl Walsh Jr. is in a, in a great state of mind, and it he feels free. He feels like he's going to have that opportunity to take that step, the step that he's been hoping for in his entire NASCAR career between having the support, the sponsorship support, having the team, having the right crew chief, having a teammate in Tyler Reddick that's going to push him to be better all the time and is a real talent too, really a talented guy. And then you have Kurt still there as kind of the mentor, team driver, coach, manager-ish guy. And Kurt and Bubba got along great. So I think there's a lot of good things coming from the 2311 camp in general. Uh, while there's a lot of flux and a lot of stuff going on at Joe Gibbs Racing with some of their drivers and um, bringing in Keebler to replace Kyle. So that's there's a whole bunch of stuff with that. You have Hamlin, who's getting older and might be uh, getting to the point where he may want to move forward elsewhere. Martin Truex may or may not have a job at Joe Gibbs Racing after this year. Uh, Christopher Bell may not have a job because he doesn't want to. Uh, he wants to be a dirt racer, too, because that's what he he's a talented USAC midget and, and he drives wing sprint cars. And there are owners that would be a little more receptive to that, you know, like Tony Stewart. Um, who may have, who who may have uh, one at least one car is open, the four car, and as many as three, depending on what Al Marola decides to do, because he decided to go from I'm going to retire to unretire, and then the 41 may or may not be in play depending on what Cole Custer does in the Xfinity series. Um, it might 
mean that the four car goes to Priest. It might mean that Christopher Bell goes there, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of moving parts, and Stuart Haas has missed out on some people. That would be the whale that Tony Stewart has been wanting to get in his team, a USAC-based driver in his organization. And all that development time and all that effort and energy that Toyota put into Christopher Bell, the irony there would be that he would go to drive a Ford would be hilarious to me. Um, but there's plenty of months to go before that even we may even get to that point. But I'll go through the rest of the field. Uh, Justin Haley qualified on pole, as I mentioned, but had a had a rough uh, heat race, but he still started uh, ninth, so he finished third in his heat. Kevin Harvick from from 18th, he finished 12th. Christopher Bell, as I mentioned. Noah Gagson, Chris, or Chase Briscoe started 7th. Had an okay car early and then got in a couple incidents there. Defending race winner and defending series champion Joey Logano. Ryan Blaney, Eric Almirola, Daniel Suarez, and A.J. Allmendinger, who sat there and raged the whole entire weekend. And probably it was a big part of why uh, Chase Briscoe's car wasn't as good um, as it could have been. Uh, William Clyde Elliott the second having to go to the last chance qualifier. Uh, he didn't really do much of anything. Uh, finished 21st after starting 22nd. Mentioned Bubba Wallace. He finished 22nd after leading the second most laps. Uh, uh, Josh mentioned the uh, front row motorsports duo of Todd Gilliland and Michael McDowell running out of fuel. Austin Sindrick, who needed the who needed the uh, promoter's option, provisional, uh, being the highest-ranked points drive, highest-ranked person in the 2022 points that hadn't already made the main event. So he got in and then blew an engine, it says. And then Keebler Gibbs got into a wreck or two and uh, broke the suspension. And Eric Jones, even well before that, he basically had to sit there for an hour and a half uh, got wrecked 16 laps into the race uh, with uh, with Michael McDowell and hit the four car, I think, in the back and broke the toe link on the right rear corner. So it was not a good night for Eric Jones, the legacy motor club or whatever, even though his teammate finished 14th. Um, Jimmy Johnson was up in the booth and he's like, oh, that's my car. <laughs> it was, that was such a great reaction. Can you, you know, like, oh, it's his first race as an owner. He's like, oh, that's my car. And he's already doing the math in his mind um, there. But did you see anything that really stood out to you in terms of what, in terms of how some of these teams showed up? Um, I, I would say that, I mean, for whatever, for better or worse, I think Kyle Busch, I, I knew he was motivated, and I think Kyle Busch has a real chip on want, wanting to go and go out there and and prove a lot of people wrong. And he drove like that yesterday. He looked like the Kyle Busch of old, meaning like a few years ago when he won his last championship, meaning four years ago. Uh, was aggressive. Uh, the Dylan car might have been slightly better. Of course, Dylan had no problem running over people. And, um, but I think Kyle Bush was one person that really stood out to me, Josh. Um, I mentioned Priest and, and Bubba Wallace, Justin Haley, um, 
keeping his calm and keeping his cool while his dad went nuts and raged the whole entire weekend. Uh, that was an, a piece there. You look at their potential to be college racing, to raise their level, to go to where Trackhouse did last year after they're in their second year of existence. So now colleague in their second full year as a cup effort, can they do that? Can Justin Haley take that next step? Um, other than that, I mean, you'd mentioned stuff with the Fords. I think Briscoe and Logano and Briscoe, Logano, Blaney, and Almirola, at least two of those guys probably could have finished in the top 10 if things had ran, if they had, you know, fallen to pieces, fall, fell into place. Uh, Briscoe ran well in that race last year and broke. And I, mean, I think he had a drive lot, drive shaft issue last year. And then Almirola didn't even make the show last year. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Logano won it. He struggled this year for pace. And Blaney had good pace, but he got, I think he got absolutely demolished, I think three or four times during the day yesterday. That was something I think the Fords have more speed than what the results may show. I think the Toyotas have, have speed and they have potential. Um, at least a veteran presence, guys, in, in Hamlin and Martin Truex. Christopher Bell, I know, wants to go out there and show that he can get better than finishing third in points like he did last year. Uh, and then, of course, 2311, I think, is in a very good spot. But those are those are a few people that stood out to me. Is there, Do you agree on some of those, or is there somebody else that we should look at as we have a couple, a week and a half before... Daytona 500 qualifying. I mean, I th I think I agree with you on a lot of those, especially, you know, in qualifying trim, um, you know, with colleague racing, Justin Haley. I mean, they did well in this race last year on speed, uh, you know, and they were up there fighting, you know, for the win uh, until they got taken out by Kyle, Kyle Larson. But, um, you know, I think Justin Haley, you know, he's got a lot to prove this year. You know, if he wants to stay in that 31 car, uh, AJ Allmendinger also has a lot to prove, you know, given that, you know, he, he has to justify being in the seat after, you know, being on the sidelines, uh, over in Xfinity the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's are proven his way into the seat. Now he's got to be able to prove his way that he can keep his, you know, in, in the 16 car. But I think, you know, they, they both had a really good qualifying run. Uh, so, I, you know, I think that stood out to me, um. You know, like I said earlier, um, yeah, I think some of these guys that weren't as competitive, but, you know, they were trying to fight, you know, I think Todd Gilliland, uh, I think, you know, even though he didn't, you know, finish that well, um, you know, he was, he was up there trying to fight for a transfer spot in his heat race, uh, and last chance qualifier and, and, um, you know, throughout the race, he was fighting wherever he was until, you know, eventually running out of fuel, uh, uh, you know, I talked about it earlier, but, you know, with, um, Penske, you know, Ryan Blaney, um, didn't really qualify that well. Uh, you know, of course his qualifying time was disallowed and everything. Uh, you know, you saw how he struggled in, uh, his qualifying run. Um, so that, that's a little concerning there. Logano, I mean, you know, for all the, uh, talk, you know, about him, you know, potentially repeating in this race, um, you know, ultimately he was non-factor. Uh, so, you know, like I said earlier, that's, that's a little, little bit concerning, I think for, uh, Pinsky, 
overall. Um, you know, I think Hendrick, you know, with uh, Alex Bowman, um, you know, they finished in fourth place uh, and they qualified pretty well as, as well. You know, they, they look like maybe at least on this track, they're going to have, you know, a lot of speed, uh, you know, throughout the season. Maybe they'll improve their game, obviously. Bowman, I mean, we don't know what his situation really is. Um, you know, seems like Ally is investing in him. Obviously, Ally is investing in uh, the uh, you know the sport. I mean, yeah, you know, they've been really uh, you know bullish on NASCAR the last couple of years. So you know, I think you know they've been able to uh, you know put more money into it. So we'll see you know, where they go. But uh, you know, it looks like maybe Alex Bowman could be a guy that's more than just a randomly win a race here and there kind of guy. We'll see, uh, at least in the cup series, um, you know, Larson, uh, didn't really have a ton of speed throughout the weekend, but you know, he was up there when it counted up, uh, up to fifth. So that's, um, you know, typical, I guess, of Larson being able to go through the field and everything, even though, you know, this is a really tough to pass, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, some of these other drivers, um, yeah, like Chase Elliott, like, didn't really have much of a chance. I mean, after he got into it with uh, with uh, Ryan Blaney, you know, he just uh, wasn't really all there that much throughout the race. So he didn't really have uh, much of a chance in the main, uh, the main event. But, you know, just didn't really have a whole lot of pace either because um, obviously he was fighting for the last spot uh, in his heat race. So, um, yeah, just a, you know, real interesting uh, you know, weekend with um, some of the guys that we normally would expect to be up there fighting uh, for position versus the guys uh, that, you know, maybe weren't as good last year that could be improving this year. So we'll have to see. Uh, but, you know, I think it's going to be interesting, you know, compared to last year, you know, we had a lot of volatility in the Cup Series last year with uh, drivers, you know, on a week to week basis, um, not as consistent as what they normally would be. Um, now they have a year of data. Uh, can it be more consistent in the results and, you know, their driving style? So uh, we'll have to see uh, if that turns out to be the case or if, you know, we're going to see um, a little bit more of up and down throughout the year uh, for all these drivers. So uh, I think, I think, you know, you're going to see the major players up front, like what we saw on Sunday. Um, but, you know, some of the other guys like, like Logano, can they uh, improve as we, you know, we get through, you know, the first couple of races in the season? Yeah, and I mean, Logano defending his championship and uh, trying to prove that he was he was worthy. I mean, he won a bunch of races, and in the grand scheme of things, he took advantage of the positions when he had the chance to win. He took advantage of them. And then winning Vegas really set the tone for the championship. And he um, didn't have a great race yesterday but i doubt that that's gonna be the way it goes for him uh, i think for ryan blaney backing into the playoffs last year and kind of not having a lot to show for it afterwards uh it's there's there's probably a little bit of tension even though he's been uh he's had uh, a pretty i mean he did i'm sorry i mean he did get to the round of eight so there is some and he finished fifth in points, or I think I guess he finished fifth. And then, um, but you know, Blaney has to take that next step. I think in his career, he has to close out races. He has to go out there and prove that he can be that um, other key guy at Penske 
uh, to go and win races and possibly win a championship. Gumby is going to be there. Um, he wins Rookie of the Year last year by winning the Daytona 500. He struggled in this race both years. He was a battering ram last year. This year he needed the promoter's option. Uh, he's going to be good on road courses. but I think it's going to be a longer-term uh, investment with with Sindrick because of his youth. I know Blaney is young. I mean, uh, I think relatively, I think you and, and Blaney are pretty close in age there, Josh, I think. So uh, he has time, but... He's like two or three years older than me. So okay. maybe two yeah. years, I think. So. so, I mean, he's... I mean, Bubba, all them, they're all kind of in that relative range. But you want to see those guys take that step forward because we had announcements. I mean, uh, some of the news from the weekend itself. Uh, I mean, or well, first of all, before I move forward, we move forward into the news for NASCAR, at least um, just go and um, get uh, in the, uh, you know, the uh, guys that didn't make the show yesterday, the two Roush cars, as I mentioned, the RFK cars again, so that was Brad Keselowski and Chris Busher. The two Spire cars, Corey LaJoy and Ty Dillon. The two Rick Ware cars of Cody Ware and J.J. Ailey. The Live Fast car, which was the slowest car in the whole entire place, of B.J. McLeod. Uh, the two guys that were probably the two that really felt aggrieved the most were were... Harrison Burton, who got run over uh, or overran a corner, I think, and gave away his transfer spot. And uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Oh, Richard um, going and um, destroy, trying to uh, destroy um, Clyde and in the process allowing Kevin Harvick to get past both of them and get into the main. Uh, oh, Richard uh, missing the show. And um, with the Velveeta Chevy. But, of course, JTG Doherty is known for um, having a good qualifying car at Daytona. A few years ago, he qualified outside pole for the Daytona 500. So, who knows, maybe oh, Richard can come, come back and do something. But that team is not exactly known for great performance. Uh, I think they'll be a team ripe for picking up by Toyota or Ford. Uh, here in the next for next year, I would think whoever their driver is going to be. Uh, those guys uh, missed the show. A lot of them weren't really that surprising that they missed the show. Uh, but and and when the Roush RFK team looked exactly the same as they did last year, basically as they, and you'd think after a year of data and all that, and they've made no changes to where the car was. Brad's car was just as dog crap this year as it was last year. Busher had a little more pace, and he could have possibly gotten the promoter's option if certain things had landed the right way, but unfortunately, he wasn't able to... Uh, it wasn't able to get that far down in the points. Uh, Sindrick got that, that deal. So some of the announcements during the weekend itself, I mean, you... you Josh mentioned it that Ally is um, the official bank of NASCAR. Uh, 
along with being the primary sponsor of the 48 car. So, I mean, that's a pretty big deal there. Um, bring back racing to the city. Yeah, so they'll have the Ally 400, of course. And there's there's a lot of, they're doing a lot in terms of um, with promotion and activation. And, and that's, of course, GM, like old, they were part of the one of the, companies that was a part of ally is what used to be known as gmac and uh, other entities or whatever that used to be a part of um sponsorship in you back in the day so that's a piece of news big news a big uh company uh it increasing their uh, footprint in nascar there was talk about of course auto club speedway they're not going to be uh, after their race here in a few weeks' time, they're going to be closed to reconfigure, supposedly to a half mile, and they don't know how long it's going to take. The more I hear and the more I see, the more I feel like it's going to end up like Riverside um, and be closed than them being uh, around anymore because they had no problem making Phoenix into a shithole in a few months. They didn't have a problem you know, ruining other tracks Atlanta had no problem making their track into a into a slot car track. Uh, there's there's other places that have been reconfigured. Texas, of course, all seven thousand times they reconfigured it, and every one of them has sucked. You know, like the, these other places can go and redo the tracks, and they paved tracks like Kansas. I think they, I don't know, maybe they didn't. Oh, I mean Kentucky. Yeah, those. It's another SMI. I'm trying to think of. Uh, uh, ISC or whatever they want to call themselves now, but they Michigan they paved, repaved, which repave is one thing versus reconfigure. I I get that. Uh, they re um, I think Nashville is a SMI deal. Yeah, Nashville is F SMI now, but yeah, and yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to think of of the tracks in the um ISC realm that they um that they were able to kind of do reconfigures or kind of make, get things done in a, in a timely fashion. Uh, Richmond and I mean, they kind of ruined Richmond and, um, Kansas. And, uh, well, that's in, in, in a different circuit there. Uh, yeah, they really out outside of repaving Michigan and just ruining Phoenix. I don't think that there's been a whole. They haven't really done a whole heck of a lot. I don't know if the Kansas has been repaved or not. Uh, recently, uh, I feel like they have. They made that stupid road course. Uh, Homestead, of course, hasn't been resurfaced in a while. So yeah, ISC, I guess, is not as versed as SMI and kind of doing reconfigures maybe, but I also don't buy the timeline that they have unless there's something else going on um, behind the scenes. And when there's like Kern County Speedway, uh, there's which you basically took the spot of what the old Mesa Marin, not there. I'm not saying it's right there where the old Mesa Marin uh, Speedway was. Uh, where well, Kevin Harvick, Ron Hornaday yep. Jr. and the like raced uh, over the years. Plenty of the California guys that 
have moved over to uh, Carolina and made it on in down south or whatever is what they you'd say came from there. Kern County is a track that's viable. Irwindale has been threatened. They've threatened to kill Irwindale for years. They're still open. Irwindale is a perfectly fine racetrack. They held some really good races, big races, the Turkey Night Grand Prix midget race where Tony won his Turkey Night back, uh, what is it, 22 years ago. I mean, you had the Toyota All-Star Showdown or whatever there. And that's a viable racetrack, better than racing at the Coliseum. But uh, they don't want to go to either of those places. Um. So I, I don't know. I don't know, Josh. It it, it kind of stinks to me the way that they're, this whole deal is gone with Auto Club. Uh, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of definitive answers either, which, I mean, I feel like it's either going to go the way of Riverside or it'll go the way of Chicagoland. Well, where remember they, uh, Ontario Speedway also. Yep, yep. That's another one. They used to hold the final race of the cup season. They used to run one of the final races of the IndyCar season. They used to hold the world finals. And I think the winter nationals uh, for NHRA before they ended up moving to Pomona. So, yeah, so there's been a lot of issues trying to keep tracks open in that relative area, but it, I think it's ISC trying to strong arm or not having a real clue about what they really want to do with the racetrack. I've been of the argument that leave the corners the way they are, grind the front straightaway, grind the back straightaway, re go and seal the front and back straightaways and leave it be. And, and, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with the track. I think they need to, if anything, they need to do uh, whatever. What was it? When Humpy Wheeler said levigating. Oh, levigating. Yeah. That, that, that's what they need to do. Levigate the damn track. They'll all run the high line anyway, or the top two lines. Levigate, and you'll be, you'll be all right. Like, literally, that's what they could do. They could literally, just, everyone's going to run the top and the top two. You could go and pave the outside of the damn track. The inside will be rough as hell, but that's where the lappers are going to go or something. I don't know. There, there's got to be a better way um, than what, they're at least putting out there yeah uh, the let me other, let me put a yeah. real add another point to that real quick but yeah it's land it's real estate that's that's the problem yeah they yeah. And, it, and, and it's valuable yeah it's valuable it's valuable land and also another point i mean they've had i mean i don't know what the numbers are but i mean it's not like they're selling out races and you know they're obviously taking down stands, doing whatever to manipulate things. And I mean, look at the clash. Like that wasn't fool. that, I mean, it, well, I mean, I, I know they had some issues marketing it properly, but I mean, there was still a lot of empty pockets, uh, in the stands for the clash. Uh, so, I mean, it still shows, I mean, you know, once, once the shine wears off, you know, um, Southern California just isn't that good at, um, you know, promoting races and putting, you know, supporting major league racing, at least, you know, IndyCar, NASCAR, uh, to, you know, that extent. So, um, just it's valuable land and, um, you know, they have to be able to use it and make profit on it. 
that's true and it, they brought that up in regards to there's a lot of talk about redevelopment around there which is why i brought up the whole riverside thing and then you consider uh yeah like bringing up all these different racing track racetracks they've had in that area i mean I, it also you brought up the point about fans and i think by the time wiz khalifa was doing his halftime show i think they were about I would say like 85, 90% full, but then the lights, it was dark. So to be fair, do we really know what the real attendance was? They also marketed, uh, they put it on the ticket for 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time was when the race, they put that on the ticket. They didn't bother to say, oh, there's heat races, show up for those. There's some concert and whatever. They never said any of that. They said everything starts at five. And of course, with Los Angeles and the traffic and the way the fans are outside of maybe for the Dodgers, I guess, which I even I think that's a lie, but, um, or the Lakers, uh, they, they don't show up early for these games. They don't support their teams. I mean, of course the Rams are the greatest example of that. I mean, the Niners go to the, go to SoFi and have 70% of the crowd. Every road team that goes to SoFi has more fans than the actual home team. That's the reason why LA didn't have NFL teams for decades. You know what I mean? Like they support the Dodgers because that's the Dodgers. They've been there for a long, long time. The Angels don't draw Jack, even though they have two of the best players in baseball. The Lakers suck ass, but they have LeBron James. Then they have a name. I mean, Balmer's building a new stadium and, um, I think in, uh, what is it called, Inglewood or whatever. I think it's over, what, it, for, I'm, it had something to do with Jim Dolan because he owns where the, um, the Great Western Forum, I think he bought the Great Western Forum and that land. So there's something going on with that. Uh, but yeah, they just don't support there. It's fair, very fair weather. And that's part of the problem. IndyCar had a great product there for many years. I mean, like CART did. And even IndyCar had one of the greatest races in recent memory. And, um, but because they ran it in front of about, I don't know, 3,000 people because it was so hot, they've never been back since. I mean, that's, I mean, it's just bad all, overall. But then when you consider IndyCar PR and IndyCar marketing over, recent decades it's not a recent years it's not like they've done a great job anyway uh, okay so the two the two other things i mean kevin harvick officially announced that he will join fox as one of their analysts for the cup series and then he'll also work xfinity and truck races dovetailing that along with being um the main financial source of Keelan wanting to become a Formula One driver and Piper wanting to do whatever Piper's going to do uh, in, in her racing career. So that'll be his future. Um, he's great at, at announcing. I've really uh, enjoyed listening to Harvick. And, and to be fair, he also has been the lead guy. He's been the play-by-play guy. And during those driver-only broadcasts, he's handled a couple of those bigger roles and he's done a great job. And I think for the way that Fox presents 
racing, which is not very good, they finally bring some credibility to the to their broadcast again. Uh, you bring somebody who is a Hall of Famer to be. You bring somebody who is I arguably one of the best drivers of his generation, a guy who's won every big race in NASCAR. One championship probably could make a case for multiple championships, but one official championship, a stabilizing force at Stuart Haas Racing, and um, him and Rodney Childers will go down as one of the best combos in in uh, NASCAR Cup history. But his his knowledge, being an owner, former owner, he understands a business. He understands being a driver. He understands being brash and young doing stupid stuff, but then he also has become the elder statesman, been a veteran and somebody who has been a mentor of sorts. So he understands the sport from every angle and then considering how he had to come into this sport too. Um, and then if you want to have a, you want to have the drunken carnival barker in, um, in Clint Boyer, you can have that him and Michael Waltrip can go and do each other on this stupid grit. I mean, that's one thing they need to do. They just need to get rid of Michael Waltrip but they won't. Um, he is he is an abomination um, on top of being a closet fruit. But the thing is, he, he adds absolutely nothing. Uh, I mean, they got rid of Vince Welsh, but they should get rid of, like, Jamie Little, too. Um, and there's plenty of female announcers that actually have a clue. I think they're trying to do that with Amanda Busick, who's been on the NHRA and kind of started to dovetail or going to all different types of series. Now she's going to be covering NASCAR. Uh, they've had Josh Sims on the um, upswing. Now he's going to be a part of the NASCAR cup broadcast um, on pit road. So offending uh, segments of the NASCAR fan base, of course, because they can't deal with a colored guy um, being on the racetrack, let alone a black guy announcing. So that'll be great. Um, but Kevin Harvick at least brings credibility stability Mike Joy and him I think are going to get along great it'll be a different dynamic from Mike Joy's past with the likes of Buddy Baker uh and Neil Bonnet uh, I, I kind of feel like Kevin Harvick could kind of be a balance of a Neil Bonnet and Ned Jarrett I think that would be a little bit but he has a dry sense of humor so I, I figure that could also be a good piece but we'll see. Um, it's a good announcement, big deal. Uh, at least give Fox, even though they don't do a really good job of presenting the races and they have a lot of gimmicks and goofiness, you have at least one announcer people will respect. And um, Jimmy Johnson uh, basically explained that he just didn't have it uh, when he drove IndyCar. And I would venture to say when you're 40 plus years old, you have a wife and two kids, and you've won seven cup championships. The notion of going and taking a ride, uh, taking an airplane ride in a freaking Indy car is probably not the most ideal scenario to end your career. Um, also, crashing in an Indy car at high speed is not ideal. Um, of course, crashing in a Gen 7 car is not ideal either, but... Uh, he just he said just to be on the road courses, he really wasn't able to get it. And it's a different animal. It's why Scott Dixon is who he is. It's why Will Power and Joseph Newgarden and et cetera, et cetera, Pato Award and Colton Herta, there's a reason why they are 
at the level they are. And a lot of them, you know, it's youth and they came up in that. So, I mean, I give the candor, respect the candor and the humbleness and knowing that, yeah, I just didn't have it. But he's been, he was pretty solid in the sports cars, driving the prototypes. And I'm so, now, I think, with the GTP deal, uh, at least this year, he's not going to run GTP. But uh, if he decides that he wants to go move abroad, let's just say, or go race abroad, um, run World Endurance Championship, I figure there's going to be an opportunity with Cadillac um, to do that um, since he has that connection. And he also had connection with Honda at Ganassi. So Acura could be an option too. And of course, he's running Garage 56. But on that, um, he also announced that he's going to run the Chicago Street Race along with, of course, to trying to attempt to make the Daytona 500 and this next week. So... Um, that's a second race he announced. He doesn't know how many he's going to do. He, Tony asked him and he said between five and 10 races, also going to do the garage 56 deal, as I mentioned. So it'll, will interesting to interested to see what, uh, seven time will do as a third driver, third car at the legacy motor club, formerly known as petty GMS, uh, racing. So, in a number 84 car. Uh, yeah, those were the news piece, some news items of the weekend. Um, I know that there's a couple of news items. Uh, the matriarch of the Jarrett family, Miss Martha Jarrett, passed away. Um, announced by her son, Dale Jarrett, the NASCAR Hall of Famer. And, um, you know, 1999 Winston Cup champion and longtime announcer after getting out of the seat and um, somebody who's well-respected in the garage area and taking on that kind of mantle that his father, Ned Jarrett, uh, carried in the garage area. Um, Ned and Martha had been married for, um, or spent, yeah, they spent 67 years together. I'm not sure if all of that was they were, they were married for all 67, but the fact is they were married. They were spent virtually their whole entire lives together. Um, so it's a, it's a sad loss. And I'm sure for gentleman Ned, um, a tough time and tough time for the whole entire family. Uh, they're DJs, one of three siblings, of course. So a lot of grandchildren, a lot of a big family there. And a matriarch, I was, I, I think, uh, I consider some of the the great women of the sport. I think Miss Linda Petty was such a integral person and a a big part of what helped you know, the king go and do what he was able to do. You know, Martha Jarrett, the same way. Martha Earnhardt, in the way that she was able to go and not only have a husband in Ralph, but go and raise one of the greatest race car drivers ever lived. And now, I mean, she's the only one um, uh, that's still with us, Mama, as uh, Junebug calls her. And, um, you know, I, the good thing for him is that he has his, his daughters and she they know her and they have that connection. So that's a good thing. And um, there's other ladies I am over the years that other these 
the wives of these great racers that have played an integral part. But I think of those three women um, and the sacrifices they had to make with their families at the time of the of the early days of NASCAR um, for their their husbands to go out. I mean, I know Judy Allison's another one, and the sacrifices and and more than sacrifices she had to make the sacrifices of losing her children in race in one in a racing accident one in a helicopter crash and her husband getting severe, severely injured in a racing accident it's beyond you know any like you can't even think about that it's crazy but those are just a few examples and our uh, prayers to the Jarrett family prayers to gentleman Ned and to DJ and uh, the whole entire Jarrett family and extended family there. Uh, we will turn it around. I guess this will be the last piece on the NASCAR side. Josh uh, came out uh, today that uh, Kyle Busch had a 38 in his, uh, in his uh, luggage going to Cancun, Mexico no, he was leaving Cancun and oh, he was leaving. Yeah, okay. yeah, coming back to the United States. Yeah, and it says here, hollow tip ammunition in his luggage. He was quickly arrested following discovery and eventually sentenced to three and a half years in prison. <laughs> uh, that would have been a way for that would have been the way for him to lose his ride. I, I gotta say, if he if Gibbs at least had used that as the reason for why he didn't want to he didn't want to keep. Uh, Kyle Bush, it would be more credible than the the excuses he came up with, um, other than the fact he wanted to put his his Keebler Elf grandson in the eighteen car. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, the guy was carrying a firearm and uh, got caught, and he got arrested, and he's going going to the pokey for three and a half years. Um, but unlike, un, in this is yet another example of where Kyle Bush has learned from his brother Kurt. Uh, you know, the, that sheriff Joe Arpaio bullshit who was a, you know, inbred dipshit, uh, Nazi type who, who thinks he's like God. Um, and Kurt was in a bad place at Roush and all that. And he mouthed off to him and he lost his ride essentially because of it. In this case, Kaya learned, of course, he also has plenty of money and, uh, that three and a half year sentence all of a sudden disappeared. Uh, it's something that also seems to happen in other countries, uh, like India. So I'm, I'm not surprised that old <laughs> Kyle Bush, um, was able to pay his way out. Now all the jokes that have come out about why, oh, Richard, why he, Richard Childress decided to sign Kyle Bush and get rid of Tyler Reddick. Uh, Kyle Bush likes to go and carry brandish firearms and thinks he's some sort of shooter while Tyler Reddick isn't exactly known for hunting or whatever. I, I think he seems like a fishing kind of guy, um, but he's also outspoken and actually cares about progress instead of living in 1842, like Richard Childers seemingly wants it to go to. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. So let's see, upon searching that there was, in fact, unlicensed firearm magazine loaded, or, yeah, arrested Bush. With, with hollow points, he said? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And then he goes late January, Sam. So this is the Kyle Bush statement from his Twitter. 
So most he's blocked plenty of us. So at least it's on Jayski. Late January, Samantha and I enjoyed a several day vacation in Mexico. I'm departing the country. My handgun was flagged during routine screening at the airport. I have a valid concealed carry permit from my local authority and adhere to all handgun laws, but I made a mistake by forgetting it was in my bag. Recovery of the handgun led to my detainment while the situation was evolved. Not aware of Mexican law and had no intention of bringing a handgun into Mexico. When it was discovered, I fully cooperated with the authorities, accepted the penalties, and returned to North Carolina. Apologize for my mistake and appreciate the respect shown by all parties as we resolve the matter. My family and I consider this issue closed. Bob Pockris uh, followed that up. I saying NASCAR policy is drivers and team members must make sanctioning body aware of any arrests within 72 hours or prior to the next event if it's sooner. Bush did make NASCAR aware of detainment for having gun in his bag in Mexico, does not face any discipline from NASCAR. And in the process, every gun manufacturer or company that hasn't been involved in NASCAR will all of a sudden end up on the eight car uh, because old Kyle Bush forgot that he had a gun. Um, which is great. That's a great move. Oh, I forgot. I like that. That that seems to be a common theme uh, in certain segments of our uh, society. I forget. I do not recall. Is uh, is their usual? Response. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if the they come coming for my uh, nine mil and my AR fifteen, I'm just gonna say yeah, I forgot it. Uh, it, I lost in my boating accident the other night. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it's going to go. Um, I've, I've got, I, yeah. I, I wanted to go and, and go full inbred more on Kyle Rittenhouse with bunch of, uh, assault rifles. And I'm going to go, Oh, I forgot that they were there and that I have all kinds of ammunition. And I'm just going to go and knock a bunch of people off. Like I'm playing some video game. Oh, I forgot it. Uh, uh Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. I, I mean, Kyle Bush is is at a different level in certain ways and his arrogance and whatever, but that's just that's just really stupid and, and really convenient. And <laughs> I, I I mean I mean he drives for the right owner if he was gonna go and try to pull a stunt like that, to be fair. Uh the only other owner I could figure he could get away with that and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. No, he couldn't do it at Hendrick. He Probably could do it at Stuart Haas. Um, Tony would be like, "Yeah, that that's okay." Yeah, yeah Tony would forgive him. He, as long as he didn't plexico burst himself, I think he would have been all right with it. Uh, yeah. You know, the yeah. Other than Childress, I don't think Colleague would have cared really. Uh, I don't think uh, Justin Marks would have been a, had an issue with it. I think he got fired by by Hendrick anyway, so he was never going back there. And he, yeah. and he got fired by Gibbs, essentially, too. So those were the two places where he'd had a problem. Uh, wouldn't have Penske's another one, but he'd never go to Penske because he hates Joey Logano. Um, so the only three places I think it would really would have been a problem, uh, he's not in the mix for any of those places. So I think there's going to be more as um, this goes along, as much as... Uh, Kyle may want it to go away. I have a hard time believing it's going to go away uh, since he does own his own race team in the truck series. He does have a late model, a super late model building uh, deal there with uh, a lot of these teams. 
He has other, he builds other cars and chassis. So it's not going away. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter that he drives for Richard Childress Racing. Um, it speaks to a greater issue. And uh, I mean, I'm not going to go off on some tangent and try to be like, whatever Second Amendment, you're taking my rights away from a gun. No. It's, it's, there's, there's responsible ways to handle a firearm. There's also a way to actually be educated and show that you're educated about having a firearm instead of acting like you need to have all this ammunition and walk around like a, like a howdy doody, um, wearing stupid straps around your, 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 you know, like 1984 shorts. Yeah. I'm all for it, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, walking around like a like like a dumbass, and and oh, I need to carry it to, to make up for the fact I got a one incher. I mean, it's the same way as they all buy they all buy their trucks and they lift them up too. I mean, it all kind of fits. Um, we'll just put all the stereotypes together. Let's just go and do it. If we're gonna do it, we might as well own it. So I'm waiting for Kyle Busch to have his um, lifted um, Chevy uh, Chevy uh, Silverado. Um, and the sunglasses, uh, in, in his, uh, what do you call profile picture, um, inside of his truck, just, just really own it. Just really own go. I mean, I know he's a heel, Let let's really go the whole way. Uh, if you can forget you have a gun, then it might explain why the hell that issue is making a kid. But if you can't, don't, don't know where your gun is. I guess he didn't know where the unit was either. Um, or wasn't able to, he was shooting blanks or something. Um, if we're going to talk about, uh, bullets, uh, there's, there's way too many jokes I can make about that. Well, I mean, I mean, look at it this way. I mean, you went from being the candy man to being the weed guy, legal weed guy, uh, gambling, and now he's got guns. So all three of the vices. So you're a Kyle Busch fan, you know, you taking a ride with, uh, all the, I guess all the vices or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no I just, more can say than that. Porn. He just needs you porn or one of these porn uh, websites or or whatever, and that would be the that would be the last one. I, he doesn't have a alcoholic beverage if he unless he goes rowdy. Um, energy becomes alcoholic beverage. So he just turns rowdy energy into the new four loco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That would fit the fan base too. You, there, there'd be so many of them idiots drinking that crap, and they'd be so wasted they would be throwing up all over the place. They wouldn't even know that the race was going on. Kyle Busch could fly out of the place; they wouldn't know. Perfect, great, great marketing there. Um, great marketing opportunities. If you do use those uh, ideas, Kyle, um, uh, we will take our um our money up front um for those ideas. And um, I'll definitely take that money up front because I'm poor. Um, all right. So after going off on on Kyle Bush and his stupidity, um, but then it must be like a Bush family characteristic. It has to be. Uh, we'll get into the Super Bowl. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, third Super Bowl in four years. And uh, Philadelphia Eagles back for the first time since 20. 17 season. You know, that was a pretty interesting game. Um, I don't mind saying I was at that one. So uh, this Super Bowl, though, it'll be Glendale, uh, the Andy Ryad Bowl, 
the team he used to coach and the team he coaches now. Kermit the Frog likely going to win the MVP on Thursday or whatever, whenever the honors is. And his second MVP with a chance to win a second Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles coming back. Um, the Kelsey Bowl. So the Kelsey brothers will be both playing in the Super Bowl. And uh, there's other pieces, other storylines there too, Josh. Um, I mean, I'll let you go first in regards to your thoughts and what you think are going to be the keys uh, to determine who will be Super Bowl champion and then who you're picking and score. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's going to be a tough matchup. I mean, not really excited about it. It's the Andy Reid Bowl, um, you know, considering, you know, he's the Chiefs and Eagles coach at, you know, you know, multiple points, you know, during his career and everything. And, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes back in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, the last three out of the four years being in the Super Bowl. I mean, whatever, man. Uh, you know, he's um, been really good, of course. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he plays. You know, he's still got the ankle with, for the, he got uh, under Jacksonville. And he played, you know, playing against them and suffered the angle injury. So we'll see how it goes there. Uh, you know, he's got the uh, Travis Kelsey and, you know, his receivers were banged up in the AFC Championship game. So there's that uh, as well. Uh, Chiefs defense uh, is kind of so so, but I think they're going to be really challenged by Jalen Hurts uh, and the Eagles wide receivers and, you know, their rushing attack as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting game. I think Eagles defense is pretty good as well. So they have a, pretty big challenge trying to stop Patrick Mahomes and contain him. Uh, do you pressure him early and often? Uh, do you, you know, back off and drop everybody into coverage and, you know, let him r try to run around on his ankle and, and get him that way? Uh, be interesting to see. Uh, so, you know, I think um, it's going to be an interesting game f uh, from all aspects. Uh, I think the strategy between, you know, Nick Sirianni and his offense, he's – been very uh kind of a running based attack you know they use the dual threat ability of Jalen Hurts uh against the Chiefs defense I think you know the Chiefs they're gonna have to really focus on containment there with uh, their defensive line um and their rookie cornerbacks are gonna have to be challenged by AJ Brown and Devontae Smith so you have two really good wide receivers uh plus you have Dallas Goddard uh tight end so it's going to be a really good uh, matchup, you know, between those guys and uh, the Chiefs uh, secondary, um, their rookie corners. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch all that play out. Um, it's going to be a tough game, I think. Uh, I'm hoping it's a defensive game. You know, maybe not as boring as the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl from 2018 or 2019, but... Um, you know, something where, you know, both teams struggle to score or get to 20 points. Um, I think, I think it's going to look like that, you know, the, uh, Eagles, the, you know, their offense, they struggled against the 49ers, uh, back in the NFC championship game. And I think, you know, the chiefs, while their defense, you know, isn't as good as the 49ers defense, I think, you know, they've been able to come up well in big moments. Uh, they've got Chris Jones, uh, you know, Manning or, you know, he's the main guy to look out for in the defensive line. So, you know, I think, uh, it's going to be, uh, tough on both ends with, uh, you know, the defensive lines being able to get pressure and, uh, be able to stop, stop the run on both, both teams. 
Uh, you, you got Tyler Pacheco, who seemingly can take, you know, runs, bounce off tackles, and go 40 yards, uh, like we saw against Jacksonville back in the divisional round. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, a lot of a lot of things to look out for here in this Super Bowl. Um, you know, me personally, I don't really have a uh, uh, preference or anything like that, but um, I guess. You know, if I had to pick, I'll pick the Eagles because Gardner Minshew is on the Eagles, um, and I still have my Gardner Minshew shirt from 2019. Uh, and you know, I cheer for him. I guess if he gets in the game somehow, hopefully, hopefully it's not a, a thing where he's relieving him to for injury, but you know, just playing garbage time uh, and and everything. So. Uh, and hopefully, I guess at that point, if he's playing, then the Eagles have a giant lead over the Chiefs. So, you know, we'll see um, what happens there. Um, so, I guess the yeah, pull for the Eagles in that case. I mean, it really is the uh, uh, ghosts of Jacksonville past Super Bowl because you know Gardner Minshew is the former starter before Trevor Lawrence, and then of course, uh, you know, Chad Henney was the starter uh, for off and on. You know, and backing up Blake Bortles uh, from 2014 to 2017. So. There's that. I mean, you want to go even further down this pipeline. You know, he was the backup when the Chiefs. He was the backup for the Jaguars when the Eagles won their Super Bowl in 2017. Uh, so there's that. The last time Jaguars made the playoffs, the Eagles were in the Super Bowl and won against Tom Brady, uh, which was the Super Bowl that you were at, Phil. So that's uh, pretty good there. So uh, yeah, I guess I'll lean the Eagles' direction. Um, unfortunately, I I'm don't like the Eagles because, you know, I don't really care for their fan base and just don't really care for the Eagles in general as a team. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, tired of seeing the Chiefs being propped up, uh, you know, like they're this, you know, team that's seemingly unstoppable. And, you know, um, you know I think Patrick Mahomes, I mean, it's like, it's like when people hated on Tom Brady for years, um, you know, but, you know, just tired of seeing Patrick Mahomes be successful already so uh you know ready ready for a change and I guess we'll have to go with the NFC here and what's the score that you're gonna go with yeah I'll go with the score I'm gonna go with 27 to 21 Eagles 27 21 Eagles uh I'll go and save I'll go out and I'll go in front of it I figure it'll be a 27-24 game and I am saying that uh, brother Knight Harrison Butker will uh, kick the game-winning field goal for the Kansas City Chiefs to help Andrew Ryad get a second Super Bowl uh, beating his old team. Um I do think at the end of the day, I mean, Josh brought up plenty of good points in terms of what the game's going to be about. It's going to be determined in the trenches, the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, arguably one of the best, if not the best in the league versus Kansas city and their defensive line, Frank Clark, who's a play a defensive player of the year candidate. And um, uh, yeah, you got that. That's literally the only thing we had, right? Uh, in that one, uh, I whiffed on both of mine. Um, I'd picked Buffalo and Green Bay, so that didn't work out well. And then um, Josh did pick the the defending Super Bowl champion Rams, but he did have Patrick Mahomes. So one out of four ain't bad. Uh, 
in terms of the interior, I think that's a big thing. Can they uh, neutralize Frank Clark's pass rush, take away some of that uh, to let Jalen Hurts go and do work? Is Jalen Hurts going to spend, be mostly playing pocket, or is he going to be able to do more of the run? Uh, the Niner game got away very early, so it wasn't like they really had to do much. Um, they were gifted a lot of short fields in that game as well. Uh, they had a couple of long drives, as mentioned last week, in the postmortem and my anger and frustration. Um, the fan base, of course, still talking shit a uh, week after. It's like, dude, you won. And uh, the Niners are dealing with multiple things, that fan base between... Just the disappointment of getting there three out of three years, uh, three out of the last four uh, to have the catastrophic situation six plays in the game, uh, what the game ended up being and how the Niners just didn't seem to have it after winning 12 games in a row and all that. And the and the Niners are going to be going to Philly again next this coming season. Uh, so that'll be something. They'll also be going to Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. So uh, Josh and I will have to, I might have to actually fly down there. I don't think I'll get murdered if I actually went down to Jacksonville to watch a game. I definitely would get murdered if I went to Philly. Um, and probably the Giants or Cow, any of those places. But I, I, I think Jacksonville will be okay. Um, I'm getting the nod from Josh. So I figure, all right, I know with Manny, He's a Pittsburgh diehard. He we always joke around about going down, going out to Pittsburgh for a game, and would be an excuse for me to go to Permani Brothers and have one of their legendary sandwiches, um, get loaded on some of the great beer that's out there in Pittsburgh, and mingle with some of the great Pittsburgh Steelers of the day. So the schedule is kind of laid out that way. There's some good matchups for the Niners, but getting back to the Super Bowl, uh, I think the interior um, battle, I think the Eagles, of course, with Reddick, he's a game changer. Um, how healthy is Patrick Mahomes with that ankle after having extra time to rest? Is he going to have full mobility, Is he, or is he going to be limited? How is Reddick and all these other guys, Fletcher Cox, how are they going to go and neutralize the the passing game of the Chiefs and also the running game with Isaiah Pacheco, the rookie from Rutgers, who's more of the downhill bowling ball runner. And then you have Jarek McKinnon, who's the pass catcher. Can they take Travis Kelsey out of the game? Fundamentally, can you take the only tight end that's playable in fantasy football? Can you take Travis Kelsey out of the football game? That That is a huge ask. And it really hasn't happened all year, so if Philly can do that, I think it would be it would be a big deal for them, and it might change that. It would change the result for sure. Uh, Kansas City has to defend with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Those two guys are dynamic playmakers in their own right. They the Eagles' running game is underrated in a sense, but they don't always go with it. I think they would more like Jalen Hurts doing the running, but their running game is is uh, formidable. And there are issues in the defense for Kansas City. I think there are there are issues in the Eagles' defense too. But 
when you don't have a quarterback, how the hell are you supposed to expose those? Um, I think in the end, it will be a close contest and uh, brother Knight Harrison Butker will get the kick uh, for to win the game even after some of the yips he had earlier during this postseason and during the regular season. And there was a lot of bad kicking this year in general. So that, that might go, I mean, it's in, it's indoors though. So there, there's no issue in terms of elements. So if you shank a bottom as a kick, that's all on you. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. 27 to 24 uh, there. So I'll go and uh, put that in there. Phil's uh, Super Bowl prediction in KC 27, Eagles 24. Obviously, don't have a preference. I don't like the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't like Patrick Mahomes. I don't really care. I mean, Andy Reid is a great coach, but I don't really care for him either especially after they beat the Niners a few years ago. And then the Eagles, of course, I don't really care. I mean, I respected them, and but this this year and kind of their behavior, the way they are, and just the fans is just really bad. So I really don't care. Um, I'm not going to a party. I'm not going to do any of that. I really don't give a shit. I'm just getting ready for racing season. I'm looking forward to the 500 uh, coming up next week anyway. So... That is what I'm thinking about there. All right, so let's move forward into the, the latest news. Formula One, we'll start with that. I mean, we've had some uh, launches, uh, car launches. Uh, today was the Williams launch, which they also uh, debuted the um, presence of golf. They also have the Gulf Oil Company with the great liveries and all. They also debuted um, other sponsors, including Michelob Ultra. And uh, so those are two big ones that uh, Williams has, has brought on. Uh, they also have a great placement of a Duracell battery there on the air inlet. So that's a, a nice um, a detail there that if you pick it up uh cool i mean it, the car itself otherwise the paint scheme is pretty similar to what it was uh last year so that's uh something uh will the car be better this year than it was last year you'd hope so they only scored eight points um and but yeah, there's definitely pressure for um for logan Sargent to pick up on on the different details and and be able to produce early on, even though I doubt that that's really realistic. I think it'll be more second half of the year before that can really come to pass. Um, Alex Albon, I think, will have to carry the load for a while early in the season if the car is ready. James Val's um, moving over from Mercedes after many years there. Uh, taking over and there's other pieces that are still missing. So they, they had their uh, livery or they, they just brought out their livery. And then Red Bull, of course, a few days ago 
uh, had their reveal. It was pretty god awful, uh, but they had their reveal, and the big piece or big news was uh, Ford. The connection with Ford, uh, they will have. Um, they will be, uh, and they also announced that they will um, have fan designed liveries for all the U.S. rounds of the World Championship. Um, Ford will um, be the badge badging on the Red Bull and Alpha Tori engines. They'll also add hybrid and other aspects. Um, they'll connect with Red Bull powertrains on that. So Ford will return to Formula One for the first time since selling the team to Dietrich Matisich back in 2005. So interesting how that all worked out. They'll be back in Formula One as a power unit. Uh, I guess they say it'll be a power unit supplier, but really it's just a connection with Red Bull and Alpha Tori. Uh, they also, the other manufacturers that uh, said that they're um, signed up for, signed up as Alpine, which when you look at the Andretti, uh, rumored Andretti deal, they'd probably be going with Alpine. Audi, of course, is taking over Sauber. Ferrari's a Ferrari. We'll see who else is around, whether Haas is still around. Of course, they debuted their car, the money, Graham car, and it's mostly black scheme. Honda will be back, and I think that's where a little bit of intrigue is now since they won't be with Red Bull. Who gets the Honda deal? Do they go back with Williams? Do they somehow or another go back with McLaren? Hard time believing that. But um, definitely, I think Williams is in play. Uh, you'd have to look at Aston Martin, uh, whatever, the Stroll F1 team, what they may want to do with that. They could probably make a connection that way. And then, of course, Mercedes uh, is out there too. So intrigue. I think the big intrigue is, is Audi going to go and try to supply to somebody else? I don't think so, at least initially. Who is Honda going to go with? And I think that's going to be the biggest piece outside of the factory programs, the more privateer teams, who's going to get that Honda deal? I think Williams probably stands out the most, which in turn would probably mean they'll get a Japanese driver again, um, like they did when they got Toyota engines and they had Kazuki Nakajima uh, there with uh, Rosberg years ago. Um, okay. Trying to get into the other news and stuff. I mean, uh, they're, I, they brought up, we're looking at motorsports.com and motorsport.com and Albon, uh, brought up F1 drivers are all concerned by F1 FIA clampdown on statements, which is just BS. Honestly, uh, it's just a, a short way of saying we're not going to allow you to actually protest, um, you know, and, and speak out about real issues that are existing in our, in our country, which is pretty, um, or in our world, which is pretty bad. I would have to say, um, yeah, Red Bull, a lot of Red Bull crap. And, um, yeah, and there's more, there's more, uh, I guess, uh, reveals coming up in the next week. So we'll definitely get into those more as they go along. 
Um, on the IndyCar side, uh, there's um, there's the news from the thermal club test, which saw Hondas have a, a good time there with Colton Herta on day one and Kyle Kirkwood as a new teammate on day two. Erickson uh, also led uh, a test session, so all Hondas uh, there, but the Chevy teams were kind of doing a lot of work behind the scenes to go and compete. I we honestly will not know until um, St. Pete, which is basically a month away from now. Uh, and of course, Josh probably will be there. You, know, you had the, another piece of news was that IndyCar will not have double points for the Indianapolis 500. And based on recent years, even without the double points, it really wouldn't have made a difference in terms of the overall champion. It might've made a difference with somebody else below that you know, over the last few years. But I think it's fine uh, that they went back to regular points and that's uh, we'll see what comes off with that. There's other pieces of news that came out. I, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan has Eddie Jones moving back to Green Rehall's car. Then when he had his career year back in 2017, Graham Ray Hall had Eddie Jones on the on the pit box there. Uh, Roman Grosjean is a Lamborghini factory driver. They're going to bring out an LMDH car uh, next year. So he's, of course, wanting to go and run uh, Le Mans and uh, hoping that the IndyCar schedule will allow that to happen. That would be a good idea, I think, for IndyCar, considering how they schedule and how they do things. It may be leaving openings for some of these races, you know, like Sebring and uh, Le Mans. I think those two are the ones that they really should leave open uh, so they can get uh, some of those drivers involved at those races. But I would also say that they should be collaborating with IMSA in general and trying to make these mega weekends uh, between IMSA and IndyCar. That's beside the point. Um, I don't know. Did you have any, did you see anything else in regards to uh, Formula One or IndyCar you wanted to bring up there, Josh? I mean, I didn't really see much else there. I mean, I think those are the major headlines, but I mean, I will say for, you know, the Indy 500 going back to uh, single points or non-double points, um, you know, pretty interesting change you know uh, the last obviously the last couple of years it seems like um it's given a boost to whoever won the indy 500 uh for the rest of the year obviously marcus erickson became a brief title contender uh after winning the indy 500 this year um you know you've seen it in the past um you know with takuma sato i mean briefly of course becoming a uh contender um i think it matters more if you're a um already a title contender throughout the year um but it can hurt your um chances obviously you know we saw that with scott dixon um maybe maybe if he doesn't um i mean obviously the speeding penalty withstanding but it, you know maybe if it's not a a double points race maybe um it's less of a gap a deficit to make up uh the rest of the year and potentially the championship is a lot closer so um i mean there's that so it seems like it might hurt 
drivers more than it helps in, um, for the regulars in terms of, um, you know, having the double points. So, uh, single points, uh, or just regular scoring, however you want to call it, seems like it's a better way to go. And, um, I mean, to be honest, in my opinion, it's a little gimmicky. It is, even though it, it is points wise, making it the, you know, most rewarding race of the year, there is still the, I feel like a gimmick with, you know, having a double points. And I mean, they did the double points for, the 500 and the season uh, finale race, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So, and now they just did the 500. So now it's just back to every race being equally weighted. So um, I think that's a better change uh, and think probably leads to a little bit more, um, you know, consistent uh, points battles uh, throughout the year. Yeah, I agree on that. I mean, the IndyCar points battle, IndyCar points system, once you kind of look at it and see how it, it's, it, it's executed it probably is the most fair uh, points system and usually i don't know how many years in a row i mean this last year might have been the first year in a while where the championship did not come down to the final race of the season i mean yes willpower had to do work to get uh you got to do a couple of things basically winning the poll um helped him win that championship there but he had done most of the work prior to that. Usually the IndyCar series championship and goes to the final race of the year. So um, must be doing something right with that. IMSA kind of has a similar one, but there's points are kind of wonky. Um, well, to, before I get into, um, into the uh, roundup, just uh, wanted to f go and, round back into some of the coaching uh, stuff and GM stuff. I mean, we knew about Rand Carthon for Tennessee and Nathaniel Hackett for the Jets as offensive coordinator. Joe Woods is going to the, become the new defensive coordinator for the Saints. Bill O'Brien, uh, he got hired uh, back a, couple, a week or so ago. Brian Flores is going to be the defensive coordinator for Minnesota Vikings and Kevin O'Connell. Uh, in his second year, Vic Fangio, of course, uh, highest paid uh, coordinator in the league, going to Miami with uh, Mike McDaniel, LaFleur, Mike LaFleur going to the Rams to work with uh, McVay. And then Kellen Moore left the Dallas Cowgirls and now is the Chargers offensive coordinator. D'Amico Ryan's officially announced um, as head coach and uh, introduced in the whole bit. So congrats to D'Amico, former defensive coordinator of the Niners, of course. Sean Payton, Denver. Jim Schwartz comes back to um, Cleveland to work now as a defensive coordinator. And then Ajiro Evero, who was in Denver last year, moves over to Carolina to um, work under Frank Reich and that new regime. Uh, Ryan Nielsen will be the defensive coordinator uh, moving from New Orleans and go to Atlanta. So there's that. I'm trying to go and see what else. Interviews, of course, there's still a lot of interviews for head coach and mean GM's already out there, but Head coaches are are interviewed, and I guess if you're looking at Arizona, 
It's now more than likely going to be either Lou Anarumo from the Cincinnati Bengals or Brian or, or Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator of the Giants. And or uh, I guess, what is it? Aaron Glenn is there, Brian Callahan. Uh, and then the other ones have kind of are out. Atlanta's done, whatever. Offensive coordinator for Baltimore is an interesting one. Uh, Todd Munkin from Georgia seems to be the favorite on that one. Uh, Carolina needs an offensive coordinator still, and they um, interviewed Jim Bob Cooter, uh, the greatest, one of the greatest names ever. Um, Deuce Staley is another one. Um, so those are just a couple. Uh, Cleveland already hired their guy. Denver, they need a defensive coordinator. And Sean Desai, I feel like he was hired there, but maybe I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, Houston still, they have the head coach, so now they have to go and find uh, coordinators. And I would venture to say that D'Amico Ryans would probably go and my money would be on Bobby Slowick, the passing game coordinator for the Niners, would be the guy there. But we'll see what happens with that. Chargers hired their offensive coordinator, so do the Rams, Dolphins defense, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien for New England. You know, Woods, Jets did that. Uh, high, high likelihood that the 49ers are going to hire, either they're going to hire Steve Wilkes, who was passed over for the Panthers job, former Arizona Cardinals head coach, and was the interim in Carolina. Um, it's either going to be Wilkes or I think they're going to go from within. That's really what it would be there. Offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay will be interesting. Uh, for some, I, I mean, I really don't know. I think Ronald Curry, the former Car North Carolina two-sport athlete, uh, would be in a uh, cool hire there. Clint Kubiak, after that disaster that was the Broncos offense, can he go and get another opportunity to be seen? Um, there's there's a lot of talk about Eric Bieniemy moving on from Kansas City, but depending on what happens on Sunday, if Andy Reid decides to call it quits, why would Eric be enemy leave? I would venture to say that that's likely going to go to him uh, because it would get the seal of approval from Mahomes immediately, and Kansas City would get ahead of it and actually have a diverse hire for somebody who's been there and been a loyal soldier. But he's got opportunities in Indianapolis. He's got offered for the head coach. He's got offensive coordinator opportunities in Tennessee, Washington. So those are all, yeah, I, I think those are, I mean, Indianapolis, of course, the head coaching deal, uh, Brian Callahan and Rich Bisaccia, Aaron Glenn, uh, Kafka, Wink Martindale, Raheem Morris, Jeff Saturday, Shane Steichen, Bubba Ventrone. It also sounds like uh, Indianapolis and Jim Irsay might double down and stay with Jeff Saturday for whatever that's worth. 
All right, let's move forward into the GSP roundup. Uh, Formula E will be coming back this week. They'll be racing in Hyderabad. Uh, first uh, Indian, as I said, first Indian round of Formula E championship ever. Uh, but then they'll also have a first uh, Indian round. I, I talked about Nikki Hayden. He won at Malaysia, uh, not India. So yeah, I'm trying to see. They don't have F1, F2, F3, but they don't have Formula E. So that's not great. Um List of all series, uh, open wheel, there you go. They didn't bring that up, it's just open wheel news, open wheel news. That's F2. Unless they just basically got rid of a lot of this stuff, so I guess I'm going to have to go over here. Formula, they'll be uh, Formula E. They are racing, of course, it'll be one race um, this weekend in Hyderabad. And that's times displayed. So the actual qualifying will be at 12 midnight, 12.10, and uh, till 1.25. And the actual race will be at 4.30 in the morning till 6, if you're East Coast time. Uh, free practice 2. Oh, you can actually see FP2. Uh, Green Co. Hyderabad Epri. And then they'll have uh, two weeks off and they'll go to Cape Town, South Africa. And then they'll have a month off between that round and then the round in Sao Paulo in Brazil. And uh, the points standings as of now, uh, Pascal Verline leads after winning the last two races by six points over round one winner in Mexico, Jake Dennis, Verline for Tag Heuer Porsche, Jake Dennis for Avalanche Andretti. Uh, they're, uh, um, who their power unit is. Uh, yep, uh, Avalanche Andretti. They don't show who they're. Yeah, they're a Porsche. They're also a Porsche power unit team, so that's interesting how that works. They're two points ahead of Porsche in the constructor standings or team standings. Um, Sebastian Buemi for Envision is uh, third. He is 37 points back early on, the former champion of the series. Sam Bird for Jaguar TCS Racing is fourth. The McLaren teammates of Jay Hughes and Rene Raster fifth and sixth. The BMW-powered uh, powered cars. And then Luca Degrassi for Mahindra, uh, only scored, he scored the one podium, um, at Mexico, Andre Lauderer, uh, 14 points so far as he's an eighth, Mitch Evans for Jaguar TCS and ninth, Nick Cassidy, who's going to get a IndyCar test with Ganassi soon enough. Will, um, is in 10th and, Envision. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, full season grid. There are, so I'm trying to see how many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven drivers who have not scored uh, a point so far 
this year. Uh, that's who is that? Nico Muller, okay. Oliver Rowland for Mahindra, Norman Natto for Nissan, Maxi Gunther, who I don't know what team he's for. Um, oh, no, it's a Roddy, okay. And then uh, Dick Tantrum, the defending world champion Stoffel Van Dorn is tied with uh, Dan Tictum with one point so far in the season. So brutal start to the year for Stoffel Van Dorn. So interesting to see what he can do. And uh, Antonio Felix da Costa, Jean-Eric Verne, just to name a few guys that definitely need to start making a move with Verline and Dennis having such a huge lead in the in the standings early on. Um, they have that. Apt Cupra is a team powered by uh, the Mahindra. And then you have what Envision Racing. Who are they powered by? Jaguar. Okay, Envision Jaguar. And then, of course, you have a DCS. Maserati is Maserati. Whatever there. Um, yeah, the Maserati, and then Neo McLarens, oh, Nissan, my fault, not BMW, Nissan, my mistake. They're uh, there along with the former EDAMS team, now it's just Nissan Formula E. The Neo 333 effort is there, have their own power unit. So there is that. We'll uh, recap that next week on the GSP. We'll get into the World Rally Championship, uh, WRC. So there's been, there's, uh, Ford is, they, with, even with the announcement of, uh, they're, com uh, going and competing in Formula One, they're going to stay in World Rally. So that's great. Uh, Tanak won an off line, uh, uh, prep race for Ford and their new uh, Puma and um, also other teams racing around uh, in around the world in terms of cold and snow events. So as their prep relative for rally Sweden and boss Latvala, Oh, Yarimati Latvala plan plotting a return rally USA, a potential contender to join WRC in 2024. That'd be great. Um, they haven't had a race in, they haven't had a rally in the United States since 1988, the Olympus rally. Uh, so that, that would be huge. Uh, Mickey Biason was a winner for Lancia. That's a long, long time ago. Uh, like a gravel base. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, there are pavement events, but a lot of the rallies, like Travis Pastrana said he's not going to run full-time rallying this year, but there are most of the rallies that are in that championship, I think, are dirt um, and gravel-based. Uh, you know, I think that would be a huge deal, uh, especially with Ford being involved. So, may not be Middle East. Or, yeah, so, go and check that out. As the year goes on, the standings so far after one round 
Um, Ogier, of course, won at Monte Carlo, but won't be running the full championship. Defending world champion Cali Rovampero's second, Thierry Neuville's third, Efren Evans' fourth, Otanek fifth. Takamoto Katsuda is going to be running the third Toyota. So we'll see if he can move up. Esapekka Lappi is behind Danny Sordo. Now those are driver's standings. And then Toyota has, uh, what is it, a 20, 24, or 20, yeah, 24 point gap Toyota over Hyundai. So recap both those things next week on the GSP. Uh, Josh, uh, let us know uh, what's going on in the world of Sims and iRacing and the like uh, in uh, your Sim segment. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, Sim segment this week. Um, you will start off saying, um, I mean, I don't know if I'll do it, but the iRacing Bathurst uh, 12 Hours special event is this weekend. Um, should be interesting. I've never raced Bathurst actually in iRacing, but uh, it's their 12 hour endurance race, uh, which I've never done iRacing for 12 hours, although I'm sure you'd be on a team, but I've never competed in an event that was 12 hours long on iRacing. So don't know yet if I'll do that, but, and especially it's a large time commitment. I don't know what I'm doing yet this weekend. So um, yeah, there's, there's that that's on this weekend. It should be a should be a good event for sim racing, of course. Um, but you know the usual stuff on iRacing um, for me. Uh, you know, Mazda Miatas competing at Summit Point Raceway. Always a good small event uh, there. Uh, let's see, Street Stocks competing at Auto Club Speedway. So that's like the basic level of iRacing with the street stocks, but competing on Auto Club uh, Speedway. It's a pretty good uh, thing there. Um, you got the uh, IndyCar, so, well, they're not IndyCars anymore. They're U.S. Open Wheel C Delara IR18 Series uh, at Michigan International Speedway. So going to be lots of big runs, lots of drafting, all that uh, good stuff there. Uh, let's see. uh Endurance racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway Oval with uh, the um, you know Toyota GR86 MX5 Ford Mustang FR500S. So that's a good series of being 25-minute event. Uh, good baseline for uh, multi-class endurance or timed racing. You got the Honda Civic Type R at Okayama International Circuit. Always a good circuit to race on. Ferrari GT3 also at Summit Point Raceway. Um, NASCAR Legends, uh, so the 87 series, is at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway from 2008. Uh, looks like they're opening the series for um, the NASCAR iRacing series, uh, Daytona 500, and um, open and fixed. So that's coming up, uh, well, next in two weeks or two weekends from now. So got to start preparing for that uh, because that should be a good one. Um, hopefully, hopefully turn out as good as what the Indy 500 turned out for me last year. So should be interesting there. Uh, let's see NASCAR. What's the other NASCAR stuff? Uh, oh yeah, there is no NASCAR regular series because I think they're getting ready for the next, the next, uh, 
year or so in in uh the next season for nascar but um you know most most of it's there though well the uh yeah and then the uh let's see nascar cup series is at uh daytona international speedway road course this weekend or this week uh, as they wait to fill out the nascar schedule for iRacing. so you got that uh news from iRacing uh themselves um, let's see, they, uh, they had the NASCAR, E-NASCAR e Racing, uh, Coca-Cola Racing Cup Series, whatever it's called. Uh, Casey Kerwin won that one, uh, which I think, yeah, I, yeah, I think he's the driver for, the esports driver for 2311. Well, it says here he drives for some team called X-Set, so I'm not really up to date on you know, the esports teams there, but, um, he's been around for a bit on iRacing. He's pretty good. So uh, won the clash at the Coliseum, the E NASCAR sports, uh, esports, uh, uh, event there. So that's pretty good. Um, let's see here. Uh, world of outlaws. Uh, I think they've, they've got a series there. Um, uh, official e racing series on iRacing, um, development updates, uh, they're trying to improve the tire model in the uh, dirt racing and on oval racing. So, uh, you know, it's been up and down over the years with uh, the tires uh, on iRacing, with the, how it's modeled and how it, you know, it's supposed to perform uh, according to the Sims. So, you know, we'll see if, um, you know, they come out with, uh, I think, March uh, or June is when they'll have the next tire update for uh the oval track and for uh dirt oval racing so should be interesting to see what changes um you know from what they currently have until uh then there's it's been a been a bit of a point of emphasis between critics and supporters you know critics saying the tire model doesn't realistically model tire physics correctly and handling physics and um doesn't you know run as well as it should but you know there's supporters say it's pretty good and that it's um fairly realistic but i mean you have your critics and you have your um people who support but that's yeah that's i racing and everything so you know there's that um trying to find some more sims uh you know outside of i racing obviously that's the one that i uh, focus on the most um r factor uh i think I think they had some stuff with R Factor and uh, Automobilista too, and Azeta Corsa. Um, trying to see if there's any news on those, but yeah, I mean the interesting is you know you have all those you know different sim you know software whether it's iRacing or Azeta Corsa or um, Automobilista too, or even R Factor too to an extent. I mean different different uh games that you can play um and some of them you know i think iRacing has the best of them as far as being able to compete regularly against other people the others might have you know more choices as far as cars and uh graphics and tracks and everything but i think iRacing has the uh infrastructure down for sure um so there's that another news some apparently motorsport games stock exploded last week going from like three dollars a share to all the way up to 75 dollars a share in pre-market trading on wednesday which is pretty shocking but um shows that any stock is 
short squeeze can happen and somehow they decide to pick uh, sim racing stock that should not be even listed so there's that um, or anything like that but you know it's uh, pretty interesting what you know that how that even happened but it is what it is um, yeah I mean I'll be probably doing sim like for iRacing probably re-racing any car on um, Michigan later this week uh, try to do some cup 87 at uh charlotte motor speedway as well um no idea if i'll do bathurst but maybe i might download the track and practice on it for a bit um there's that um and maybe maybe do some other road racing as well i've uh, been focusing a little bit more on that lately but you know um try to get back in the oval side of things especially with daytona 500 coming up got to get ready for that one of course so yeah that's it for me sim racing this week uh of course as always you know follow on ucler2 on switch on there and you know look at my stuff and look at all my racing and i'll be sure to try to try to let people know when when i'm streaming of course um uh when i actually do so go there and look you know sub follow subscribe whatever um and you know watch my watch my stuff so go on on there on twitch tv slash ucler2 and watch all my streams of course twitter at jp huffine uh go on my twitter see all my takes see all things i have to say about the racing got the super bowl coming up so probably say a couple things about that so go on there and you know see what i have to say about um all all my opinions and everything and of course follow our youtube page at uh grip share podcast and see all our episodes we uh, have everything up there so go and watch or listen do whatever support the page likes comment subscribe and you know let us know what you think so we can continue to make the videos so um yeah as always glad to be back on for another week and you know we be in the transition from you know from the off season you know talking about football other sports you know you're gonna go be talking about uh racing once again so um full time so um ready you know as always the new year um you know been saying the last couple of weeks but you know now slowly trickling in you know we had the rolex last week you know we had uh clash this week and now things begin and we had the chili bowl a couple of weeks ago as well so begin to swing back into uh racing uh full time you know, now we got speed weeks coming up here in uh you know 10 days or so and then we'll get back into full swing of nascar with all three series and, and soon it'll be indycar and soon it'll be formula one so you know as always glad to be able to talk about it with you and everything so um yeah that's all i got for tonight absolutely well we do it together we've done this deal for 155 episodes or whatever and got many more to come uh, you can find us. You can find us on Twitter at Gripstrip Pod. Uh, you can find the Gripstrip Podcast anywhere you take in podcasts. Uh, so that's uh, that's pretty easy to find us there. Um, you can find me at Philip G Matthew on Twitter, um, on Instagram Philip G Matthew twenty eight. You can find the show also on philipgmatthew.com, along with our um, host on Podbean. Uh, with that, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's all in regards to previewing and, uh, getting in, of course, Josh mentioned the YouTube page and, um, yeah, there, I think that's basically it on that end. I uh, will be back next week for episode 156. 
of the Grip Shirt podcast to kind of recap the Super Bowl and the end of the end of the season as a whole. But and things to start looking at as they go into the off season. We'll get any updates on coaching news or coaching hires. We'll do our previews for the top three series of NASCAR. Of course, ARCA will also be racing at Daytona. Um, so I might get that in there. IndyCar F1 and other related, other racing series news. We'll recap Formula E and Rally Sweden. We'll make our Speed Weeks previews and picks for the Craftsman Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and the Daytona 500. Um, Josh's algorithm will um, make a return for the first time in 2023. And then we'll have a sim segment and close the deal. Would be remiss before I leave uh, today. Uh, credit and congratulations to EJ Tackett uh, for winning the U.S. Open of bowling yesterday over Kyle Troop in a tough match, tough oil pattern at Woodland Bowl. Uh, EJ Tackett becomes only the ninth uh, player in PBA Tour history to win the Triple Crown. He's also a smoke-sponsored uh, bowler there, him and, and Sean Rash. So um, EJ Tackett uh, gets that victory, gets redemption after last year when he qualified number one as well and absolutely had a disaster of a final against Anthony Simonson. So um, EJ Tackett, one of the good Guys on tour, one of the ta most talented players, a 17th tour title. He's only 30 years old. He's won three majors. He's We know he's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, so that's a huge deal for him. And uh, there will be a few weeks till the next uh, PBA event, at least on televised on Fox. It'll be televised on line. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Some of the biggest names struggled. In this event, but there were Kyle Troop was there. Uh, you had um, why am I forgetting who? I mean, you had EJ Tackett, and um, I think what is it? Simonson was in that. I just have to go and uh, check. Yeah, check it out just to make sure. Yeah, Springfield Classic is coming up this week. It'll be on Bold TV. Yeah, Marshall Kent, or no, that was from the play-in uh, play match there. They ran off the they ran off the the telecast because all the NASCAR fans were so butthurt. I mean, they got butthurt about practice, and so I'm like, why the hell do you care so much to go and uh, uh, watching practice? But whatever. Uh, Kyle Troop, Anthony Simonson, and EJ Tackett. So those are Star-studded event, for sure. Kyle Troop climbed the ladder, almost was able to get another major. Um, but you'll see, I think those two guys are going to be formidable this whole season. Uh, with that, um, and for Josh, I'm Phil. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Gripture Podcast. We thank you for supporting us. Thank you for um, uh, you know promoting whatever. Does let us know what you want to hear. Or if you want us to do anything different, we're always open for that. Uh, but for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care. God bless. Be good to one another. Take care of one another. And uh, racing season definitely starting. And uh, Daytona 500, one of the 
the my favorite events in period. It's and uh, it's going to be a a big one. Uh, interesting Daytona 500 this year, more than recently in terms of qualifying, especially. So getting all that next week on the Grip Trip Podcast. So for that, take care, God bless, and goodbye.